There's no rules! Do the lower floor! There's one rule! <laughs> I was about to say, you want to do the intro here, but uh, yeah, welcome back to the No Mulligans Podcast. Uh, Scott and Jack here in the studio. A uh, little bit of technical difficulties today, so you might be hearing it's okay, us. okay, we don't have Tate. Tate, it's yeah, your fault. Tate, it's your fault, man. Enjoy your concert that you're at. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, we're going a little different here. We got the lapel pins on, uh, lapel mics, and if yep. you guys uh, listen... We'll see how long they last. I don't I know, know, I know, but if you guys uh, listen to Scott's... Um, videos that he puts on his Instagram or you watch them at S. Hassie Golf, you'll be able to, I mean, it probably sounds the same as <laughs> when you're watching this. I know, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's been, um, you know, we were talking before the start, like, you know how much I hate this phrase, but like, I'm tired. Like, yeah, I, I exhausted. People are like, you got a slow season? I don't have a slow season anymore. Like, yeah, slow seasons don't exist anymore. We're, we're too big. We're, you know, which has its own set of problems that comes with it, but it feels like we're almost starting over. Not in the sense of like, oh my gosh, we're doing poorly, we're doing well. And so in that sense, it's like, it's almost like a whole new business structure that we then have to fit in new challenges that it meets by growth and people getting better. And like, that's why we're growing, right? Like that's, we're doing well. So that's exciting. Well, and another analogy too, I know that um, one of my friends who's just picked up golf as well, he's a He's kind of like past like the the super beginner tier, and now he's into the next <laughs> tier kind of deal. And it just kind of reminds me of the of like just the golf evolution too. I mean, I remember the first couple times we talked, or first like season of the podcast, mm-hmm. I guess I should say, we talked about growth, and it was you know you're going to grow, and then you're going to plateau, and then you're going to grow, and then you're going to plateau, and then you're going to grow, and then you're going to plateau. And so uh, I just I don't know. I think that where FBPI is is a nice little uh, parallel to. Just how you get better at anything. Yeah. And and the hard part is right now, like, we are on an exponential curve the last, like, if you actually look at that curve, it's yeah. exponential right now. And with the hires we plan for this coming year, that's going to, it's it's going to kind of tip a little bit back the other way, I think. I mean, if we go anywhere close to the growth we've had this year, <laughs> like, we're trying to be prepared so that if we do have the same size growth that we have, we'll actually be able to handle it. Well, and that's um, thanks to all of you, too, that are watching, listening, subscribe to the podcast. I mean, whether you're here in Franklin taking lessons or you're, uh, you know, coming here virtually to Franklin mm-hmm. either through YouTube or if you're somewhere else in the world. I mean, that's just uh, that's cool that this this thing is taken off, man. I know that, uh, you know, you and I met right, right as you came here to Franklin yep. Bridge. So it's just been really cool to see the the growth and I've been lucky to be in the passenger seat for a lot yeah. of it too. So the reason for the being tired is like, I was telling Erica and Elijah, I was like, dude, this feels like I just showed up in 2020, but like with a much bigger business, yeah. um, you know, is realizing how to manage a team and like the errors that we make when you like let other people do things right. They're never going to do it exactly the way you would do it. And that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different. Right. Yeah. And so, but like little things fall through the cracks that you normally catch yourself, but it, those get caught. But when you're doing it yourself, but when you're also doing it yourself, you're so strung out. You can't like that creates its own set of problems. So like, it's great. Like I'm excited about the growth. It's, um, you know, the goal is to kind of get through November one with basically the whole year planned out. Like we have most that we have all the way through the summer planned. Um, which is big. We've got to figure out some little scheduling things here and there, but it's it's big. How do we communicate? How do we, you know, 
yeah. still keep that personal touch, which is really important. I think we've lost some of that. Yeah. Um, not on purpose. Like, we're still sending emails. We're still follow-ups, still saying hello to people. But there's just, like, that's just slipped a little bit, and you can kind of feel that. And, like, that hurts a little bit. Well, good good little transition and a good little plug, too, where if you are looking for more of that, like, uh, not to say that uh, any of your regular lessons are going to be any less uh, any any less beneficial for you, but cracking the code's coming up as well. Yeah, we are. We uh, we're going to close big that. We're going to close yeah. it on October fifteenth. Um, we currently have twenty six signed up. That's awesome. I'm going for thirty. And how many did we have in C two C one point It's like twelve. That's awesome. <clears throat> so and the class size or twelve or thirteen, and the class size is really big. So it's two classes. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have we're going down to class size of three. So if we get to thirty, it's ten separate classes. Ooh. So the price point's definitely up. Yeah, but we're delivering that more personal touch. When you're getting so much value for it, I mean, you're literally rebuilding the golf swing. And even if you're not wholly rebuilding the golf swing, you're putting in a lot of work over a lot of cold, rainy, freezing. <laughs> yeah. Sessions. Yeah. When you know the cool part is we're using. The entire team from the tour shop to um, to Erica and Elijah's yeah. unique talents, even though she's on the junior side and Elijah's mostly on the golf course. Elijah, they've both been doing a lot of teaching. and Yeah. Um, it's a part of their training, too, which is kind of cool. Like, Love it. I'm still in control of, like, the navigating of the technique space. and But they each get to, you know, deliver their skills and their passions and their talents and in a way that I can't deliver on, and that's good. That's awesome. I think it's going to be good. But Well, how can we translate that to the our podcast topic today? Well, you know, uh, so the first one I want to talk about, I played my first tournament in, since, remember we, we talked about the last one, like, yeah. I don't know, like eight podcast episodes yeah, in yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when we first started. Yeah. Uh, that was 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think I might have shot close to the same score. I think it was like three shots better. Played here though this time, so it's the only reason I played in. So like, I don't believe you should play in tournaments unprepared unless they're you're just doing something for charity or. Sure. Those are it's a separate thing, but you don't want to make a habit of that. Like if you sure. just play a bunch of charity tournaments and you don't ever get prepared when you do decide to make the switch to competitive golf, like individually, you create this habit of being unprepared and hoping you're going to play well, but it's not the same. Yeah. So. Um, I didn't have the feeling of being totally exposed because I went in with it with expectations of not playing well because I'm not prepared. Um, but uh, shot 84, lost seven golf balls. I only had eight in my golf bag. <laughs> but, like None left. One ball. One ball. That's the <laughs> only ball that you can search my bag. You will not find another golf ball. Yeah. No, there's there's no more golf balls in my. Now I feel bag. bad for uh, taking two sleeves of uh, of Strixons from you. <laughs> it's okay, it's all good. No, but it's funny. Be like, you're not 84. Like, you're way better than me. I was like, well, that may be the case, but like, I'm unprepared. Yeah. Right? Like, and uh, I lost a number of balls so far. <laughs> right, dude. Okay, so for those of you that play here, this is great. So on six. Okay. Uh, I'll give you six and eight. Well, Just, uh, six, seven, eight. Work. Six for people who haven't played here before. It's a uh, it's a dogleg right where the dogleg starts probably 230 yards And out. if you aim at the center of the dogleg, you can miss it 
150 yards left to right and still be in play. Yeah. Like, yeah. because of how it angles Shaped. in the distance. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's plenty of room. Well, <laughs> my drive went right of right. So it starts over the cart path to the right. They go on five tee box. <laughs> so, not quite. Funny story on seven, though. So, it goes, I have to drop at, like, 230 yards really close to the water head over but like it was almost playable on seven that's how far right it went oh my gosh so uh was able to salvage a bogey out of an up and down from a miss the green next to like and then seven went right i missed the tree in front of us on the right yeah it went out there and around it so it's like a banana hook if from the tee box on seven you know where the tee marker is on five like the actual tee sign like hole five yeah I was right of that. Oh, so that's over God. the new tee box on five <laughs> in the hazard, punched that out, and then eight didn't even land on the golf course, landed in the Harpeth on the right. That's how far right those three tee balls were. I would have been able to beat you that day. <laughs> oh, gosh, dude. It was so bad. It was so bad. Um, but, like, the cool part was I finished the day. I told Brooks, I said, I'm really glad I played in it. Like, we hosted it. I just feel like the club press is supposed to play in it. Uh, that's the only reason I played. Sure. To support Brooks, support the club. And so, um, but it was it was awful. And, like, lost a ton of golf balls. Lost two of them on 13. And one off the tee. One caught a flyer lie. I wasn't paying attention. Like, but all these, like, bad habits. My club's almost dead on plane on every swing. So, it's not a path problem. It's all club face. I couldn't feel my hands. I had no idea where my hands were the entire day. And so, um, I went to the back nine and just decided, like, I can force a hook. I don't want to force a hook. And like those three holes there, you don't want to force a hook. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, I can force a hook here. A hook went on 10, then play a hook up near the green, and then snap hook it out of bounds on 11, and then smoke a five wood down the left side. So that's my like first like really well hit shot of the day. It was my second tee ball on 11. Get that up, make an 18 footer for bogey. So, putted really well. I had 27 putts. Yeah. Wedged it. Like, if I had a chip or a pitch in my hand, I think my average lead to the hole was, like, 18 inches with a pitch or less. Like, I, they were all tapping. You should have just right. pitched everything. I know. I should have just hit wedges the entire day. I probably would have shot lower. Um, Those little punchy sevens off the tee. But, like, I knew the hook wouldn't lead me to where I wanted to go. Um, and so, missed it left on 12, out of play, got a drop. Miss it left on 13 off the tee. Miss it left again on my throw shot. Both gone. Make triple there. And then hit a ball that just barely misses right of the green on 14. What Pitch are you – well, I got to pause you here real quick. What are, yeah. you, what are you thinking to yourself on the whole, like, 12 or 13? What are you thinking when you're just in the absolute trenches right there? And how does it – how do you stay uh, in it for I the just, rest of the I round? Like, just keep going. Like, it's just, like – I'm learning. I haven't played in competition. I don't know what happens to me in competition. Yeah. I haven't, literally, I haven't played in a tournament in four years. Yeah. So, like, how am I supposed to know how I'm going to react in that scenario? I don't. Now, people are like, but you've played your entire life. I was like, yeah, but, like, I'm, I'm unpracticed. I've played less than 120 holes on the year. And three, two and a half of those rounds was at the PGA show. So, like, that's 36, like. Yeah, almost half the holes I've played the whole year were at the PGA show yeah. back in January. Yeah. So I played really well there, but I was also practicing for weeks, six or eight weeks, getting ready to play there. So, like, 
I had some prep time. I had almost no prep time. wasn't really sure of the golf swing I wanted to make, like, because I tinker with swings and movements to try to learn things, like, not to just tinker with my own swing. So, yeah. you know, that's the teacher in me. I'm always trying to learn to teach others. Now, aside from being a club pro, what is what are his, uh, a few things that you think somebody who's listening to this can uh, excuse me <clears throat> can take away from when they hook one out of bounds? I know that that is a problem with a lot of golfers, if not every single golfer, that when the smallest inconvenience happens, the entire round self destructs. Well, I I think <clears throat> I think two things. Um, so I started off with three pars, didn't hit a single ball good. In fact, I hit out of play on two and then missed it short of the green on purpose at like a 60-something yard pitch. Hit that to a bad foot. Tap that in for bar. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I knew it was going to be scrappy on the first, like, right off the first hole. Um, I didn't have all the clothes in my bag because I lent them out to who knows who. Like, these irons, I didn't have my irons. Uh, like, I was playing with Rebecca's, <laughs> Rebecca's eight and six iron. I had a different seven iron in my bag and was missing some yeah so like but that's me lending them out to people who need them more than i do sure so um telling you I, I think the advice is like the thing i know to go to is i know where i can miss it i miss it further in those directions than i needed to like i knew i could miss it right on six i knew i could miss it right on seven i knew i could miss it right on eight i just than I thought possible. Yeah. Uh, so, but like as terrible as the miss was and the losing of the golf balls, uh-huh. in some ways I'm still in control of the round. Yeah. That sounds weird. Like, Scott, you literally hit a ball that went 300 yards in total that went 150 that way and 150 that way. Yeah. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah, like, from yeah, the yeah. center of the fairway where my ball was on seven was over 100 yards. <laughs> the far right that was so like it's um i was terrible and then on but then i flip it to the other side so i can miss right there hit a nice iron shot my first good iron shot on that good time to hit one um went over the green into the bunker and didn't get up and down <clears throat> but hit a good bunker shot just went too far so like i wasn't totally out of control i wasn't out of my element was i frustrated some moments i was like yeah i feel like i was letting the guys down i was playing against a little bit yeah like all those thoughts are popping in your head throughout the day it's like i don't embarrass yourself it's like no you don't have any practice there's nothing to embarrass yourself because there's nothing that you've practiced like there's no expectations there's literally like if a guy hasn't played in four years you would in any competition and doesn't play more than 150 holes a year you wouldn't expect him to shoot anything good in a competitive event there's no i don't care how long you've played like not a chance so i don't know i i felt patient i also knew that if i could get to the turning left shot i just couldn't do that on those three holes because they're all out of bounds and they're out of bounds is too close so Mm -hmm. um but i knew i could go to that shot and i could find my way out from that shot and sure enough i did i mean i finished my last six holes even par or five holes whatever and birdie the last. I think what it all comes down to, just from what I'm hearing you say, is that you have to stay. There's two. There's two separate uh, mindsets that you have to keep. One of that. One of those is your your swing, your physical swing, and what you can do. The only thing I tried to do is straighten my left leg the whole day. So I have one 
goal the whole day. It was like, that's, I have to stay there. I know if I do that, I can kind of find the rest. So that's side one is your swing. <clears throat> side yep. two is, okay, now with what I have from side one, aka the swing, mm -hmm. how do I then control the round from that? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of people will put those two circles right over the top of each other. Mm -hmm. And they are sense. worrying about their swing and about their round, and they can't keep the two of them separate. So even when your swing is going wrong, you have to keep your round calm, cool, and collected, knowing what you have. Yeah, and uh, like I knew not to panic the whole time because there was no reason to. It's a round of golf. Like, was I nervous? Yeah, absolutely. But I wasn't panicked and nervous. And I told, like, I was telling you, like, I told Brooks, like, I'm really glad I played. Like, I genuinely mean that. And I enjoyed playing. Like, how do you enjoy playing bad? Now, some people are like, I'd love to shoot 84, right? But, like, let's say you're somebody who shoots in the high 90s. Like, that would be the equivalent of you shooting 125. Oh, my God, yeah. Right? I mean, like, yeah. but still being able to walk out of there and go, like, I really enjoyed that round. Well, I mean, I think a good example of that is me in playing in my first club championship <laughs> yeah. here at Franklin yeah. Bridge. Now, granted, this was, like, a year into me playing golf. <laughs> Like, honestly, looking back on it, I had no business yeah. playing in that other than just having fun and just feeling what a competitive round looks like. Because as we've talked on the podcast, playing competitively is yeah. so much different than just playing with your friends. It's, yeah, and it's the same for every sport. Like, just because you can go out and shoot hoops with your buddies and, like, make shots everywhere doesn't mean that's going to work that way in a real basketball yeah, game. Yeah, that's like, a good point, yeah. Like, we tend to treat golf as like it's the only one that's different. I was like, no, they're not. They're all different. Sure, yeah. a guy can kick 50-yard field goals all day in practice. They don't have a problem doing that. Like, if you yeah. went to an NFL or even a college kicker's practice, you'd be like, he hasn't missed a field goal at all. And you can put him in different hash marks and the whole deal. But you put him in the game with all with all those guys in front of him, everything on the line, and three seconds left on the clock, and the team screwed it up, and they're down by three, and you've got to kick it to tie. It's just different. What would you say to somebody who like might have a scoring average of like anywhere from sixty-eight to seventy-two, who is like, oh, I mean, like I can, you know, I can shoot sixty-eight pretty, you know, every once in a while. Like I could probably go make a make a shot on tour. What would you say to somebody like that? <laughs> if you're not the best in your like city, you probably don't have a chance. And why do you say that? That's how good they are. Yeah, and but what makes there's them, there's a hundred there's a hundred of them like. It's mindset is different, preparation, like strategy. I've got a kid I just started working with. We'll talk about him in a little bit and his technique. But um, he, uh, like, I can tell from the scorecards from previous, even on his lower rounds, I can tell from his scorecards. I was like, you actually give a nice golf, like a really beautiful golf swing. But, like, you don't actually know how to play. Mm. You don't have a clue. You think you do, yeah, but you don't. Yeah. Part of the reason why I know you don't have clues, I know I watch all these other universities and consult with them. Like, what, what are you all doing? Yeah, what are you teaching them? Well, you know, we're trying to play like decade. I was like, it ain't about decade. It's not about decade. It's not about golf decoded. Like, they fundamentally don't understand strategy, mm. and like you can use a system, but that doesn't mean they understand how to play. Mm -hmm. Like math. The reason why people suck at math is that they're trying to make it plug and chug. Math is not a plug and chug. Math is a way of thinking. Like that's what makes math good, and people who are good at math understand that. Like it's not. Do you have the answer? People look at me like, "Why are you pulling out a calculator to add the score from the tournament? Can't you just add them up, or can't you just like?" Dude, all of that's the easy part. Like it's assumed. I can add. I know what five plus five is. I know what time. You know, five times ten. Like five times eleven. Like I can do math. Like that's not a problem. I understand numbers. But it's 
can you set up the problem in such a way? Like that's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, use algebra. I know how to do algebra. Like, I just need the calculator. Yeah. Use the calculator at the end. Yeah. That's what all the good math students. Well, do. in the same way too. Like we talked about this on you know last winter. We talked about uh, you know uh, um, BP and POA and um, OP mm-hmm. and just about how uh, the tour is tracking you know shots gained off the tee you know how many fairways did you hit how many greens did you hit and it's like well like that's the, it's not the wrong way to think about it but it's not the it's not the most efficient way to think about it like we've discussed right like, right that i feel like would be a comparable difference between missing it in the right places and knowing how to play the game right versus just well, that trying to hit my fairways trying to hit my greens and then putt but that's the point of bp and op and poa right is like it actually opens up your ability to see what you don't actually understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those other systems or those other ways of doing it don't do that. Like right. Just play the middle. Just play the fat part. Just eliminate the side of the golf course. I'm like, what is this eliminating crap for? Like, it's not about eliminating. Yeah. It's about going and doing and going. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to go there. It's not about eliminating a side. Like, that's that's so low level like strategy. I can teach eliminate a side to an eight year old. Right, like let's just not hit it over here where the bunker is. Hundred percent, yeah. Let's just not hit it. Like, hey, you don't, you're hitting it left and right. Like, let's just hit it to the right. Like, you can teach that. That's so low base level. Is it important? Maybe. In some ways, it traps you to not actually solve a problem. I've got a um, a question for you here. So the first half before of this... your mind goes out is blinking blue, which means it's low. Oh man, well we'll make this quick then, um, and then we'll do normal audio. There you go. Um, but. I know that there's a lot of uh, we we've spent the first half of the show talking about like here's what went wrong here's what I you know why I believe that why it went wrong here's how you can kind of adjust to that and then you mentioned if I was actually playing in something or if somebody else was playing in something you should go through preparation in order to get that done mm-hmm. what does that consist of and how would how would you do it how would you go through a preparation phase for a tournament and how should uh, somebody else who might be wanting to compete in a few tournaments a year and start doing it, what should they think about? Um, I think the first one is like realistically picking something that you can actually play in. Like, can I actually get ready for it? If you can't get ready for it, you're just doing something to do something. So, is mine green? Well, I'm just going to ask you to check it. Yeah, I'm green. Okay, cool. So I'm Keep on going, yeah. Um, and so... I think there's a minimum two months out training required. Okay. Like, uh, and that's assuming you're going to be able to practice a minimum of probably twice a week. And the closer you get to the actual competition, the more, like, on-course type play you need. So we've got time frame. Now, if somebody's going out there and they actually want to get their golf swing in a, in a you know, consistent shape before a tournament, how should they do that on the range? Um, so initially, it's a lot of range time. So a lot of working technique, changing clubs every 10 balls. Um, If you've got multiple things you're working on, let's say that you've got one setup you can do on every swing. Uh, But then the other, if you have two things you're working on, they need to be separated from each other initially. And then you try to blend them over time. Um, So that's one. So like I've got one thing in my backswing and one thing in my forward swing. And honestly, me playing poorly in this tournament, I actually started to connect some dots that I kind of lost because I haven't tried to practice in a while. I was like, oh, wait, I've been trying to do that the wrong way based on what Hank had told me before. Like, I'm not just trying to discover it for myself. I'm trying to go back through yeah. the wisdom and advice that have been given to yeah. me. Like, yeah. What am I missing? Yeah. Um, but is 
everything, like every shot has a purpose to it. I'm not just hitting balls. Like, yeah. I won't even just pull the ball and just slap it for fun. Like it'll be if I have five minutes, it's gonna be five minutes on putting. If I only have five minutes, I might not even hit a golf ball and just make the motion. So it's increasingly getting ready for it. So you'll see up there, and we'll talk a little bit about this on the next one. Learn, train, trust, perform. That was you know Hank's motto back in Birmingham. I actually pulled it out of the weeds. It wasn't used hardly at all. Um, and so I was like, dude, we need to bring this out. But I'm trying to play in something where performance is required. We well, can't have performance unless you have trust. Mm -hmm. You can't have trust if you haven't trained. Well, of course I can't trust it. Man, that's good, yeah. There's nothing that's, like, what if I trained? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, of course, I don't know. It's like, go ahead and throw me in a dark room. You turn the lights on, like, all right, yeah, Scott, you're going to give a presentation on what? Yeah. It's like, uh, What's that show? Uh, Impractical Jokers, like the final challenge. They don't know what's going to be in front of them. Like, all right, and you're Action. a loser. Action. Yeah. You're like, uh, what? Like, so, yeah, like, yeah. of course there's nothing to it's trust. It's a surprise. So you shouldn't be surprised when your score sucks if you haven't done that. Right. And so yeah. people think that they're training. Like, well, you're not really training well. Yeah, of course yeah. you can't trust it. Well, and the other thing, too, is I feel like a common theme I see out here on the range is just people trying to hit balls solid. And even if they hit it solid, but it you know does a banana slice to the right. Oh, I hit that so good. I was like, dude, it's over there. It's like, no, yeah, like clearly something happened. Like, as a, a solid strike that turns into a slice is not not the same shot as a solid ball that's hit straight. Right. Well, and you may say that you're training, but like, are you actually training, or are you just are going you to actually a, uh, glorified top golf experience? Right. Are you just yeah. trying to hit balls? Like, well, I'm hitting them good. I was like, well, are you controlling your body? Yeah. Well, I'm hitting them good. Like, well, yeah. what are you controlling? How do you intention. know that that's better? Yeah. Right? Like, intent. like if there's no intent there or if you're on the wrong thing, then it's definitely not going to work. Right. And then, like, so that goes back to the learning component. Yeah. Have you learned what you need to learn mm -hmm. on strategy? Like, most people haven't learned what they learn on strategy. Like, oh, I'm good at strategy. I was like, no, you're not. Like, you're actually, your mic's out. So we'll swap back and forth. Um, but, like, um, that's where things are really shifting. So to get ready for the tournament, learn, train, trust, perform. I, I've learned, but I haven't learned. So like by playing, I learned more, which was cool. So like I kind of had to start over. I'm basically starting over on the system. I trained, I hit, um, I hit like eight golf balls on the front end of this thing. Like that's what I did. I just hit about eight golf balls and then I went and played. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Um, and so I haven't trained, therefore I can't trust now, I do know the golf course, so there's certain elements that I can trust. Like, I can hit it right on those three holes. Well, I can hit it left on those holes. And, and again, to um, to kind of go back to the point that we made earlier in the podcast as well, when I was talking about there's two different things. There's your swing, and then there's golf course management, right? If your swing sucks, but you know golf course management, and you've done the learn, train, trust, perform from a course management standpoint – well, now we can start leaning into that in order to cover up some of our mistakes in our swing that we're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's uh, a little further away. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the the big piece is I had something I could trust, which was my left leg. Like if I could get that, I knew I could kind of find my way through the day. I also have my wedges have always been good. Like if I do any practice over the year, it's wedges and putting. Like, that's really all I've worked on. Like, that's 65% of the game. I can at least, like, I can scrap it around there and be okay. Like, I kind of wish I had 18 more holes to play. Like, just keep playing that day because I kind of re-found what I needed and kind of found what I had missed about understanding some things. And 
had calmed down a little bit. Um, I was nervous the whole time, but like, I, I don't know. Like the average person way over emphasizes how important it is. It's like, dude, you're winning or you're learning. I don't want to embarrass myself. I was like, I really, I didn't have that sense that I was embarrassing myself. I really felt like I was kind of letting the guys that we played with, like one of the guys that I was playing with actually won the tournament. He shot 65. Yeah, 65, I think. Hit every single green in regulation. I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry, just slowing y'all down. He's like, not a big deal, dude. Like, you've been playing a tournament in four years. Like, it's cool. I was like, great. So it was enjoyable to play with the people I played with. Um, but that was like the only like letting somebody down thing that I felt. That I felt. Yeah, and I mean, to your point as well, and, and this is also to what we talked about previously with the difference between tour players and somebody who has like the average scoring, like the scoring average of a tour player, right? Where you have to go through that same, same learning system, the learn, train, trust, perform in competitive golf. And in order to do that, you have to train, which involves playing in tournaments and failing. Right. So, um, so one of the, uh, ones that we just released in, um, a newsletter that went out, yesterday monday i guess it would have been gone out monday it should have been a week ago after you hear this um was talking about ken mayer who just won uh his flight of the club championship now he's been working for that all year he's played in the match play championship he's played in the other member member tournaments right he's played in not only the individual match play but the team match play right so he's actually been preparing for competition and he shot 70 i think a pair of 75s which is great, right? Smoked me, right? Whose swing is better? Mine, 10X. Whose short game is better? Mine, 10X. Who's more prepared to play in tournaments? Him, 10X. Not only that, but with Ken's background in being a teacher, he also has a very, very good uh, um, ability to learn as well. So yeah. he's able to pick up on a lot of the traits of what it means to learn how to do something. Well, the other thing is, like, right after, like, right when he was starting golf, he just finished up bowling. Like, he's bowled 300 several times. So, like, he understands in some sense how to handle stress and pressure. And so he just folded that right over into golf. So he's actually in many ways been training to trust in order to perform in competition without stopping. So, like, his skill needs to be higher for him to perform. So, like, we have to go back to the learn and the train piece. We've got to make some improvements for him to be able to get that under par where he could compete in the championship flight. So, like, that's the reality of where that's headed. Yeah, and in the same sense, too, I think that you can lean if, – if you are someone who's like, I want to play in tournaments, but I'm afraid I'm going to fall on my face. First of all, number one, you probably will. But that's what I told you in your first turn. That's what I told you in your first tournament. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you probably will, right? And I did, but – I will say that you can lean on past experiences like Scott was talking about with Ken and his bowling experience. Like he's bowled 300s. He knows how to handle that. Like if you've played any level of competitive anything, I don't even care if it's the academic decathlon. Just having that scar tissue from competition is going to be something that you're going to need to get in one form or another. Yeah, I mean that's the – you have to work that muscle. You have to strain it. When you strain a muscle, it gets stronger, you know, like – you can't get bigger and stronger unless you tear fibers. Like I can't get better at competition unless I, you know, like that has to happen in order 
to learn. And through that stress and the brain's trying to solve the problem the whole time. Like I got my left leg, I missed right on those three holes, way right further right than I wanted to. But like, yeah, what, maybe I could have done something different. Not, I probably wouldn't have. But going to that left shot got me, I knew that that was a safe place for me. I knew my swing got better from there. And so I was able to bring that back online. Like, and so it was like, lights are back on. <laughs> like, we were in the dark there for a while. Um, one of the other traits that I noticed that I think is really key that we'll leave with this and we'll lead into the next one, but is um, I realized I could not get a picture in my head of what I wanted the ball to do, largely because I haven't trained or trusted. So I don't really know where it's going to go. So it's hard to like, I, like, okay, this swing kind of feels like it might kind of be that, but I really don't know. So like I couldn't hold a picture and the couple of swings that I did really, hit really well on the front nine, like the full shots that I hit well, were all ones that I was able to get and hold a picture in my head. So I was able to take advantage of the good technique that is in there that's untrained. But it took me until, like, I completely lost that until like 14 or 15. Which also we were, um, I showed up to the short game <coughs> clinic that you were running earlier this week, and um, or I guess it was Saturday. And there's a lot of beginners in that class or a lot of people who maybe haven't played golf at a super high level. I think there's only probably three of us that really had, yeah, some experience. And um, anyway, one thing that you said was somebody asked a question about like practicing and you said that, you know, there should be, even if you're, even if you are dry swinging in your house, you should be picturing the shot that you want to hit. The irony of that, the irony of that. Is. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. So that, that just came to me being like, well, if you're not practicing with intent, whether that's on the range, prepping for a tournament and you're physically hitting balls, or you're just in your living room practicing your swing while you're watching TV, there should be intent. And I actually did this exercise. I've, I've been working on my swing motion a lot, just dry swinging in the mirror, stuff like that. And, um, come out here on the range and it always takes me a little bit to warm up. And I'm like, why, why is that? You said that one thing at the short game clinic, I go home, I'm air swinging and I'm like, let's, let's play with some intent. And I noticed when I was air swinging, I was putting a lot more weight on my left side, which then brings the club face through, squares it up, ball flies. And I got a picture. Now you have a picture and a motion to go together. Like you have to put the two together. Exactly. And there's a lot of uh, stuff that your brain will just do subconsciously that you're not even aware of regardless. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. No, I think, um, but like when you're in competition, you can't, like if you're not trained, like I haven't trained that muscle to be able to picture the shot and do that. I can do it. I've trained it in the past, but it's super untrained, y'all. Like, like we can look at my golf swing on video there, but then I realized the error that I was making and came back in here and cleaned it up like, oh, there's the missing piece. Whoopsies. But like stress is a good thing. Like if you people are so afraid of pressure i get nervous i was like you're not going to learn anything if you don't get nervous that nervousness actually is what creates which actually kicks in the brain's problem solving skills if there's no stress it doesn't have to solve any problems but as soon as all that stress hits people go one of two ways they either go to problem solve or they like freeze or fly like right it's like fight or flight it's not fight or flight it's fight flight or freeze or problem solve right like how do we get out of here and so like I just was like, all right, well, if it if I don't figure anything out, that's okay. I'm gonna learn something, and like that's that's why I enjoyed the round. That's why I enjoyed the round. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's a great place to end. Just, um, yeah, I mean, for everybody who's listening out there, I mean, just you got to you got to learn, train, trust, perform, and we're going to talk about that on the next podcast. So, good little uh, segue into our next one. So, thanks y'all so much for taking a uh, listen or a watch wherever you're listening or watching this, either on YouTube uh, or uh, Apple Music, Spotify. Amazon, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Make sure to leave us a five star and a review really helps us for people who are looking to find this content. So Scott, better days are ahead, man. Better, uh, better tournaments are ahead. <laughs> so from Scott and Jack inside the studio at Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Peace. There's one rule.